Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. Today, I speak with writer, singer, actress, all-around entertainer, renaissance woman, Nomi Ruiz. That's coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McKee. Well, hi there. Happy Sunday. Welcome to my podcast. This is your first time. Welcome. If you're a repeat listener, welcome and thank you. I got to see a a really great film yesterday called Haymaker. And this film surprised me in a lot of ways, I think. Looking at the poster and even the trailer, you, or at least I was under the impression that it was an action film, you know, it's about uh, an ex-fighter who's working as a bouncer and a bodyguard. But I watched the film, and it's this beautifully written story, this romantic drama, very, very nuanced, great visuals, fantastic character development, uh, it's written and directed by this guy, Nick Sasso. It's his first film, both as writer and director, and it's really his first film as an actor as well. And it's, a, it's done remarkably well. And I think it will surprise a lot of people uh, when it comes out in wide release on January the 29th. I mentioned Nick Sasso, who's who's the writer, director, and the star, and it has appearances from great people, people like Zoe Bell, uh, who people may know as uh, Uma Thurman's stunt double in the Kill Bill films. She acts as uh, stunt coordinator, second unit director, and also has a, as a supporting role in the film. Uh, D.B. Sweeney, uh, who's been a longtime actor, has worked on Criminal Minds, Eight Men Out uh, was in that baseball film with Keanu Reeves. Uh, the the name escapes me right now. Several other films. He's I've loved DB Sweeney's work for for a while. It has a special appearance by the great German actor Udo Kier. But it also co-stars Nomi Ruiz. This is Nomi's first lead role in a feature film. She's also appeared on in you know in a couple of TV, uh, TV spots, most notably uh, Mayans FC. Nomi is also known for her personal essays on feminism, the trans experience, specifically her her experience as a you know as a as a trans POC person in in the music industry. She's performed 
as the moniker Jessica Six, which has functioned both as a solo project and as a band, and has also released an album under her own name. And we we just really get into it. You know, we, we talk about the film and, and what the role of Naomi, which is also the character's name, means for, for trans characters because it's the character is the the fact that the character's trans isn't really a plot point. It's it's just it's just there. Um and you know when we talk about the New Yorkian experience, Puerto Rico, music, act you know, activism and advocacy, personal writing, screenwriting, you know, she wants to get into screenwriting and directing. And I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine after I did this interview about how I guess I w- I'm, I'm feeling maybe a little bit repetitive in in some of the stuff that I do in you know a in in the types of guests but also you know I I, I seem to have a group a list of stock questions that I ask you know especially when it comes to artists so I I think I'm consciously I'm trying to expand my focus a little bit and and I think this interview with Nomi really helps that um it definitely not only broadens my horizons in terms of the type I, types of films I would see, because I don't think I I would have seen this film if I hadn't reached out to Nomi's people, um, and the, you know, and 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 received a screener. I think just because we all have preconceived notions and ideas of what a film is or isn't going to be based on its on its poster and trailer and like I said I was pleasantly surprised by this film I really really enjoyed it I and I'm you know it's only one of three films that I've seen this year but it, it's already topping my list as as the favorite film I've seen this year and like I said it's only January and I, I'll see many more but um I think this is one that's gonna that's going to stick with me for a while. So I'm gonna stop rambling and let you hear my conversation with the multi hyphenate, the Renaissance woman, Nomi Ruiz. How you doing today? How's how's uh, how's life in uh, New York? I'm great. Life in New York is, is cold, but you know, got my heat going. I got my house warmed up, and I have a good nest going, so I'm good. Nice, nice. Yeah, we I, we had our first frost on the ground today here in uh, Victoria. Oh my goodness! Uh, I just you know, I had enough of the. <laughs> we had our little pretty like snowfall. I'm like, okay, that was good. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> yeah, we, we we don't get a ton of snow here because we're on an island, so it's you know much more rain than anything on the west coast. Uh, but you know, yeah, 
It is what it is. Yup, yup. <laughs> Speaking of what it, it is, what it is, Haymaker. Um, I, I just got a chance to watch it, and oh, cool. I must say, this movie surprised me. Um, I think maybe because of the poster, I thought it, you know it sort of gives the appearance that it, it's a more action-heavy film, but it's 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 this very like nuanced sort of complex layered romantic drama um and i'm curious because in the film you know you play sort of this entertainer singer named nomi yeah was this role did did nick write this role for you did did was it already named nomi like how uh, you know how what was that all about um, well, I guess you'd have to ask him more about that, but I do believe, I think he was working on the script, you know, before we crossed paths. And then I think he did, you know, someone sort of put him on to me and my career. And then it just sort of like clicked for him, you know, he's like, oh my God, maybe this could be the girl who's in the film and it would just make sense. And he also had this idea of like us using, cause we did use our real careers to sort of like, you know, build the backdrop of the film too and like produce it and get access to locations and uh, just to keep the vibe really authentic and visceral. So he had this, this, uh, this idea of like, you know, filming real performances. And if the audience was screaming my name he would like catch the, the, the reality of it, you know? So he, he, he asked me if I would feel comfortable using my real name. And at first I was like, that's a little strange, but then I, then it clicked for me. I was like, okay, this is actually cool. And it was, it was, it was trippy because it like plays with this fantasy and reality too. And uh, you also did a number of like, I know you were a producer on this. You also acted as uh, a unit production manager and a, and a production coordinator uh, on, on a couple of locations and you uh, contributed two songs what was it like for you stepping into behind the scenes roles? That was really interesting and challenging. And it was what I wanted. You know, I, I, got, I went into this not ever having any experience in film. And I wanted to be challenged and sort of get out of my comfort zone. Because I've been doing music for so long and it just started coming so easy for me. So I don't know, it was really, it was fun and it was really rewarding. You know, every time we like got a location or like I got, you know, people on board to sort of like uh, get these beautiful shots that we wanted that we had a vision for, you know, in Greece, you know, I really did a lot of work there because I have built a career there. So I had a lot of connections there and it was just really rewarding, especially when I saw the film and I saw how beautiful it looked and all the, you know, all the performance scenes that we did too. It just, it felt really rewarding. Speaking of Greece, I know you got to go to Mykonos. Uh, you got to go to Mexico, uh, L.A., Thailand. Is that the best part of being an entertainer is getting to travel? That is definitely has been a blessing for me, you know, just seeing the world and connecting with fans who have become actually my really close friends, you know, and sort of family over the years. I've built, like little lives all over i've lived in greece i've lived in mexico i've lived in chile i've lived all around the world which is really you know i feel really privileged to have had that type of career you know but for a while like also it's easy to get lost in that sort of lifestyle where you're like constantly on the go and you don't really have a place you kind of call home and so now that we've been locked down it's been interesting to have a different pers perspective on traveling you know now i think 
I know how to like travel and still have a, a home and have a place to come back to as opposed to like being sort of this like nomad, you know, that I've been for a long time, which is cool that we captured that in the film too. How, how do you think the lockdown has altered your perspective at all in terms of being an artist and, and, and your career? It's interesting because now there's no performing, you know, right now. So that's been something that I, not that I took it for granted, but I realized how much I love it even more. You know, I miss connecting with people and traveling and, and, and touching base. You know, that was my lifestyle for so long. So I would, I would just always go and see my friends in a different country and connect with my fans. And so it's different now, but, you know, thankfully we have, you know, technology, which I've always thankfully really stayed up on. And it's been such an important tool for me and my career in general. And, and thankfully I also have been working in other, uh, other media, you know, like, like acting and, and writing and, and screenwriting and doing writing essays. And, um, so it's good to sort of like, you know, put stuff on hold, maybe the traveling stuff and, and just like, uh, really nur like nurture the creative process a bit more. This was your your first big film, uh, as well as Nick's. I know it was his first time, sort of being being on camera, and he was also mm -hmm. a first time director, and that can be a challenge. Um, act, you know, being in a scene with someone who's also giving you direction. What yeah. what was that relationship like? That would took a while to get used to. You know, I, at first, I remember we had our our coach came on set one day, and I was like. I feel like Nick's not in the scenes with me because he's like, you know, I see his mind going at sometimes. Like he's thinking of the shot, he's thinking of the lighting, he's thinking of the time, he's thinking, of, you know. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, and she said, pretend he's a pretend you're dating a police officer and he's trying to like be sweet, but his phone's going off in his back pocket. And I was like, that was such a good way to put it, you know, just 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 know that he's he's in it too. Um, but it was it was interesting. It, we thankfully we had chemistry and we could we helped each other really like pull each other back in when we needed to. There were times when things did get a little tough and difficult and things technically also are going wrong. And and I think we rebuilt a really great friendship in a way where we really were a support system for each other through the creative process. You know, you you mentioned you both used your own histories, I guess, to craft the characters. How much of Nomi the performer is in Nomi the character I think there's a lot there you know I, I feel like that the character version is more maybe when my career was first taking off and I was sort of lost in the luxury of it all and and believing the hype and a little more like egotistical and sort of like using my success as a way to sort of mask my insecurities in a way you know I didn't even realize that until I started diving into the character and I was like oh my god this is how I used to be like <laughs> I used to be like this um this like triggered you know by things all the time and using my success to sort of like uh distract from what's really going on in my heart you know so it was interesting looking back at myself and 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 diving into a time when I was a different person. You, uh, you, you also uh, submitted two songs. You did, you did "Like a Ghost" and uh, "Savage." And did I just read that? Yes. Uh, was it "Like a Ghost" that was sort of just released as a, as a single? Yes, "Like a Ghost" just came out. It's a collaboration I did with uh, 
Sam Sparrow, who's a singer-songwriter also. Um, and it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. And it just worked really perfectly with the film. You know, I wanted the character to have her story be told through her songs too, because that's how my life's been. I'm, I write my own songs and I write from the heart and I write from my personal experiences. So it just made sense. I'm like, this girl needs her own narrative in her songs too. And and the character's always being sort of haunted by her past, you know? So it it was a perfect fit, like a ghost. You know, the the film takes place in New York. I think your, your character's from Brooklyn and he's from the Bronx. And New York is such a microcosm, but I felt in a way it's interesting because it didn't it wasn't necessarily a character as like you see it in in other films. But right. what does the the I guess what is the diff, how do you think that the different cultural backgrounds of these two characters can act as as a metaphor for a lot of the things we're seeing in society right now? Well, what I love about the, the film and the characters is that they're, they come from so extremely different walks of life, you know, and it's interesting now that everything's been so divided, you know, and, and just this, it's really refreshing and beautiful to see these characters who are just on opposite ends of the spectrum cross paths and, and sort of find themselves in each other. You know, they get to like soul search a bit. Uh, and I think it was unexpected for both of them. And that's also a bit of the soul of New York City. You know, you it's so diverse and you never know who you're going to cross paths with. And, you know, one day you go to like the grocery store and suddenly you're like, oh my God, what's going on? I just met this person from a different walk of life who suddenly is like been so impactful to my life. And I think that's, I think that's, that's what I love about the film too. It's very New York in that way. And it, the diversity is, is not just, there to be diverse but to also like see how everyone's just can find you know common ground uh like, like yourself uh the character is a new yorican uh yes. which uh at least in my opinion is one of the i guess m- most distinct and sort of most unique uh and most brilliant sort of subcultures of new york in terms of all that they've brought uh, to the culture, whether it's been through writing or music, uh, the New York and Cafe, the Poets Cafe, you know, in the in the eighties and nineties. Um, wh- what what does having that culture mean to you? Wow, that's a good question, um, and I love your perspective on that as well. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, it is. It feels very unique. It's, I, I don't really meet other people like me that often you know when I do I feel like there's a real kinship right away we're like oh my god you're (laughs) we're like from the same tribe you know um it's interesting it's also maybe something I also take for granted you know until when I start to travel and and get immersed in other cultures and then I I realize you know what you know the city as a whole is just so unique New York as a whole is so unique and, and until you travel it's as a New Yorker, it doesn't really hit you. You know, when I go to other cities and I see other, and I get immersed in other cultures, I'm like, okay, I get what, I get what's only in New York. You know, I get what's, what people always, why they call it the center of the universe. Um, And then, you know, my, you know, my, my parents were born in Puerto Rico and they came here when they were young. And it's interesting to see, you know, all this, all the stuff that they've had to go through just to sort of, I don't know, build a life in, I guess, America. They were like pursuing this American dream. That's doesn't always, it's not always what it seems, especially for, you know, Latin culture. And so that's, that's been something that 
I'm still sort of like coming to terms with, you know, the stuff that my grandparents had to endure, my mother had to endure just to get here and just to, to give me a different life than they had, I guess. So that's interesting as a, you know, being a New Yorker, but also feeling not from here at the same time. It's interesting to, I'm still exploring that. You know, on that, there's a, there's a great, brilliant conversation that's happening right now about, you know, diversity on camera and, you know, whether, you know, LGBTQ performers and, you know, offering LGBTQ real LGBTQ performers, does that extend to cultural backgrounds? You know, for, for example, should, should Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, you know, whoever only be played by, by performers of those backgrounds? I mean, I, I believe so, but I, I would love to live in a world where we could play whoever we want as actors to be, you know, just to be creative as artists. But, um, you know, we live in a world where people don't travel to get their culture. You know, they, they go to film and television to understand other cultures that are maybe not so accessible to them. You know, not everyone lives in a city like New York. And so they turn to film and, and television for their culture. And I think it's important when people do turn to that, that they see something that's authentic, you know, because especially for like trans people, we've been so uh, misrepresented for so long that it really, you know, there, there are real repercussions for that for us. You know, we live in a world where it's not really safe for us. And so the more that we are portrayed as authentic as possible, I think the more it just helps the movement. Well, you, you know, on that note, I what one of the things that was talked about in, you know, the, the press about this character is that, you know, Naomi, her, her, her transness just sort of is like, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, necessarily a, a plot point. You know, it's, it's just, it's just part of who she is. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's that. What, what does, I guess, a, a character like that and, and, you know, how that's written do for the, the movement of positive portrayals of, you know, trans, trans uh, characters or even LGBTQ LGBTQ characters as a whole. That was something really important for me. And I, that was really the only way I would have done this film. I remember speaking to Nick and I said, we sh- we need to be really progressive with this. And the, the way to be progressive is to just let her be and let that be like an afterthought, you know? And because that's how our lives really are. You know, a lot of us, we don't lead with our transness or like our before and after stories. And I think for so long on film, we've been, so that aspect of us has been really exploited, you know, and and that's all we've been is this sort of like, you know, the taboo of like the before and after stories, but it's just just like, it's time to see us in a more authentic evolved light. You know, I think it's it's powerful to see, you know, a romantic lead in a film who is just, you know, desirable and successful and, and complex too, you know, that we get after, you know, getting past the transness of her, we finally get to get to the the real roots of like what's going on and i always say like my transness is not just in my before and after it's like uh it's in my music it's in the way that i interact with the world it's in the choices that i make it's in the way that i love it's in so many other things that i feel like now we got to get to with this story and hopefully it inspires more how how does that translate to performers you know because when you you know you talk about someone like yourself or you know Laverne Cox or or even Caitlyn Jenner it's always prefaced by you know trailblazing trans performer or 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 or, or trailblazing trans activist you know so and so 
how do we where are we in terms of i guess removing that honorific and just letting these queer performers stand on their own yeah that's something that's always you know i think the media as a whole you know they they love to just you know sell clicks and 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 streams or whatever and you know sell stories and it's been people have been obsessed with like the firsts and like the first trans person for this the first that the first that and it's like i i'm just hoping i'm trying to create a world where there are no more firsts where it just is and where you know um but you know it does take those trailblazers it does take those firsts to get where we are and i think we're at a place where we're finally starting to turn the page i think hopefully uh the more trans stories that are told that are just more complex and get past like i said the before and after narratives or just being exploitative or the shock value of it i think it, the most progressive thing we can do is like just let us be and just let people watch a story and then not don't even realize and then suddenly oh yeah it's this they're they're human you know you realize the humanity of it all when when you when you're not even thinking about it it it, it seems that a, a lot of these you know uh, the most authentic most positive stories about about queer characters tend to live in smaller indie films you know online web series youtube hulu great for you know sort of millennial queer stories where do you think we are in, in in i guess mainstream cinematic acceptance of these types of portrayals um i still think there's a long way to go i think people are still um sort of intimidated to take on trans narratives and you know producers and, and hollywood i guess so to speak uh they are still looking for that easy sell and to them they don't they're you know they're still stuck in this mentality where like you need to have uh, a well-known star in order to sell something you need to have some you know and then it's it's a catch-22 because if we're not allowed to be well-known stars then how do we get to a place where our stories are then being told on a bigger scale you know so I think as the more that time passes I think people start you know, that are more open-minded and evolved get to like higher positions of power where they're finally going to like shift the narrative within the system. So I think that's happening too. And I, I'm looking forward to, you know, there it, it's happening a bit more. There's that show Veneno that was has on HBO Max now that was really beautifully done and, and shocking, even though it's like more European, I think. I I feel the needle is 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 moving and, and you know, hopefully they take on these more narratives that are progressive. Speaking of big stars, you had a few big stars in this film, and I know you didn't have any scenes, I don't think, with with Zoe or, or, or DB, um, but were you involved in their casting process at all? Um, I was involved. I mean, Nick would definitely talk to me about, like, if he was talking to someone or thought about someone for a role, and um, we were both really, like, happy to get DB Sweeney because we were both a fan of uh, The Cutting Edge, <laughs> that ice skating, like, romance drama. Um, and and Zoe, too. I mean, getting her on board was really, really dope. And um, I wasn't... I mean, I just... I always supported the choices. I, I, I thought they everything fell into place perfectly. And it just... It felt so cool to have them co-sign the film you know it just it made it more real the more every time someone would sign on we were like oh my god this is really happening because you know at first you're making a film you just think okay this is maybe just gonna who knows where this is gonna wind up but the more we got support from people who like sort of have built careers on their own it it started to feel more and more real 
Well, and I know, you know, Zoe also worked as, I think, stunt coordinator, second unit director, and she also what was executive producer, which means she contributed financially. How, how much did she help bring this film to life? She was really, really bad. She came on, you know, we didn't really do much of the fight stuff till the end. You know, it's we sort of filmed in sequence as well, so which was interesting. And, and she came on and she really helped build that the fight scenes, you know, I, I think, you know, like being the first time Nick has ever been involved in something like that, like directing it and also starring in it, you know, and being in the fight. So I could imagine that was like really intimidating for him to sort of imagine taking on on his own at first. And so when she stepped in and said, you know, I would love to choreograph this. And uh, I think, I mean, you can feel it when you see the scene, it just feels really authentic. It feels really real. It feels, uh, and I think that's, Thanks to her, you know, she was really badass and, and a good vibe on set too. Well, one person that you did get to sh- uh, share the the screen with, and he, he might not be super well known to, you know, to sort of younger audiences, but Udo Kier, who is yes. a legend in his own right. <laughs> um, and, you know, he, he's only in that one small scene uh, in the movie, but as you know someone who this is your your first ma- major film and then you get to sit opposite him what was that experience like for you that was so fun that was one of my favorite days on set he was just like everything you think he would be really eccentric really like beautiful and super just unique and authentic and um we yeah we filmed that scene and it was we had so much fun and uh, yeah, it was it was it's one of those moments where again it was like wow this is really happening you know because I remember Udo from like Madonna videos and old like like art house films and um, he was really and he really loved my music he would like I guess Nick had sent him some of my my material before we got on set and he would just talk to me about how he loved my songs and reference lyrics and it was really really special special day on set. You know, you you you've talked about your your other aspects, your your music and your writing. Um, and your I think your your writing in in particular interests me. You know, there's there's I guess a, a big debate about how politically active you know performers should be. You know, you get someone like Taylor Swift, for example, who's not necessarily a huge activist, and then she says something, and people tell her to to, to shut up. Um, what <laughs> what what what's your right. philosophy, I guess, on the intersection between politics and art um that's an interesting question I mean I for myself I feel like you know I'm not necessarily an activist I wouldn't consider myself an activist but I would say I'm an advocate you know and I I feel like I have to be just because I am a woman of trans experience and I I know that I have access to the world in a way that other people don't and I I I just feel like it's my duty to make other people feel seen and to not feel alone. And, um, you know, that's like the least I can do is, is tell my story and let people, you know, again, it's about like realizing how authentic we are and, and representing ourselves in authentic ways. And that's for me, I need to, I feel like that's my job and it's, it's attached to my work. You know, I always try to enlighten people with everything that I do, whether it's, this film or my songs or my essays, you know, I think, and other, you know, some people feel different. They stay away from politics, but I think we're at a time when we all, you know, just as just contributing to society, I think we have to speak up when something's 
wrong when or when injustices are done. I think it's the least we can do as a, a society is is have our voices be heard, you know. Just on that note, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I wanted to get your thoughts, you know, on on this idea of trans disability. Uh, your new president, um, I think, is nominating Dr. Rachel Levine for, I think it's uh, like assistant to health and human services or, or, or some sort of, of deputy cabinet position. And she, she could be the first uh, trans person sort of in a in an executive, you know, for the executive branches of government. Yeah. Have you thought about how historic that is? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited and hopeful for the future right now. You know, we had a really hard four years just past, you know, and um, but I think it was really necessary for a lot of people to wake up and see the work that needs to be done. Because a lot, a lot of times, you know, people didn't even realize that 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 exists in this country. And, you know, they're not like a Puerto Rican trans woman who knows that that exists on a daily basis, you know, so I think people were enlightened. And now we're taking a step forward. And I'm really happy that this uh, administration is letting people of that walk of life sort of like handle that and speak from that place. That's what's that's what we've been lacking for so long. You know, we can't just have like older white men just like sort of like figure out what's going on with all these (laughs) this this country that's so diverse. You know, it's time to like diversify and and have those voices be heard, too. You know, just a. not to talk about politics too much, but just just one more question before we yeah, move on. Uh, the, the 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 Puerto Rican issue um, in in terms of you know independent either becoming independent or whether it's going to become the 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 fifty first state. What what what's the conversation sort of with, within that community right now? I don't know how, how much you 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 talk about that. Well, I I mean again, that's another really divisive topic I think there are some people that want to be independent and you know it's just it's strange just be one of the only places still colonized in this country but like it just shocks me that that still exists you know it's just like more proof of of you know we have come a long way but there's still so much work to do you know and and for Puerto Ricans I don't know it's sometimes it doesn't it doesn't even feel like we are a part of the United States you know people still don't understand that Puerto Ricans are Americans they don't understand that um you know what goes on politically when it comes to you know being a colonized being being, being like it's it's I don't know it's tricky it's a tricky subject and there's there's you know, I can hear both sides of it. I haven't, I don't really know where I stand on it, you know, as someone who is a New Yorker and who hasn't, you know, maybe if I grew up on the island, I would feel very differently when it came to that. So I don't know. I think the more that people realize that we are part of America, the the, the more it helps us to just feel more inclus- inclusive. You, we talked about the fact that you've written a lot of, of essays on a variety of topics, and I know you're getting into screenwriting could we see a book by you at any time, whether it's a, maybe a collection of your writings or, or, or a memoir or, you know, s- some sort of longer form writing? Yes, actually, that's something I just started this year, which is funny you ask. Yeah, I've been I've been playing with like writing a book for a long time, but this is the first time I actually have I'm starting to really piece it together. So hopefully that gets done. You know, I have a lot of time to <laughs> to lock down and write. So I'm u- utilizing that with uh, 
yeah, I really want to tell my story and I wanted to sort of be aligned with the screenwriting I'm doing too. I sort of wanted to all connect in a way. You know, I speaking of screenwriting, I, I could tell that, you know, at least for Nick, this was very personable and I think probably a little bit autobiographical. For, for you, is, is that as a screenwriter, is that the type of film you want to make or do you, or do you just want to make a completely fictional story that is unrelated to, to who you are in any way? I'm interested in both. You know, right now I am working on something that is basically based on my life story. Uh, and I think even when I do go branch out, like I've been also writing this horror film that I is sort of outside of me, but I think in anything I do, there'll always be an aspect of my personal experience in it. I think it's important just to get something that's authentic. I think as a writer, you're always, even if the character is so outside of yourself, you're always sort of tapping into your experience to, to make sure that what you're putting out there is authentic, at least to you, you know? So yeah, a bit of both. Do you think you'll direct? I mean, yeah, why not? I can see that happening. You know, I, I do love collaborating. I love, you know, other people getting involved too, but I definitely have a vision that I, 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 I would love to at least, you know, co-direct and make sure that uh, things are as visceral as they are in my mind. Uh, and then we've talked about your music a little bit, and I know you just released uh, an album back in October. Uh, what 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 spurred that on? An album? I, well, I released a single. Was it a single? Uh, yeah, from an album that I was planning on releasing, but then you know, COVID happened, and I just didn't see the. I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm still waiting to drop it. I don't. I want to be able to perform at least when it it comes out you know so maybe I'm gonna do a few more singles and just like lead up to hopefully let's see what happens but I I don't know I really I I, I love the process of like releasing a record and then like connecting with my fans like in real life and so I think I'm gonna just wait a bit and just like you know put out put out some singles put out some visuals and, and put out some writing and just learn to be patient you know <laughs> practice patience and see where the world ends up uh you know i i know you you released uh your your debut as yourself lost in lust and you've also as many people know released and performed as as jessica six both in a band and yes. um solo the the decision to release an album under yourself rather than as as the moniker what went into that decision that I just I wanted to really represent myself you know I think Jessica Six for me is something that's also sort of a an escape or like an alter ego for me I think it's more of my electronic dance music side it has been for a while but it's changing now because we are working on a new record that's more acoustic but um it's also more collaborative you know it's more of um it, it's not just about me you know I think and to release for me my R&B and hip-hop soul stuff is know me Ruiz it's it's who I am it's the music I grew up loving it's in my blood you know so whenever I do something that's more soul music based I like to just connect it to me and to my narrative and then you know and I also like to have to get to escape through another project, another name, another identity, and, and sort of like tell other stories and get sci-fi and get weird and just be step into some other sort of genre, you know, for a moment. 
you're it there's a, a headline here on bizarre that says electro pop diva do you <laughs> do you do you consider yourself a, a diva at all oh my god i do not i mean i think people definitely have that image of me but when they meet me they're so they're, everyone's always like oh my god you're so nice and i'm like what did you think i was like some like <laughs> diva i don't know um i definitely have been in bands with other musicians who are more of the diva of the group <laughs> that's for sure um no but i i but I, I guess there, there are different definitions of diva you know i think you know i am someone that people like see as like a spectacle at times but i think i'm really with and i'm i'm very like the girl next door when, when you really get into who i am one thing i i appreciated about the 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 headline in Bazaar is that it, it said, you know, before it said electropop, it said Latinx with an X. And this is something we're seeing a lot more of, you know, not just in that, but um, yeah. you know, folks, you know, with an X, uh, Philip, you know, the Philippine community, Philippinx uh, with an X. In, in terms of the language that we're using to refer to certain communities and, you know, the intersectionality of POC and, and, and queer, why is the the letter X so important in I guess in 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 our labeling of of these communities? I think it's important when trying to be inclusive. You know, I think especially in like Latin communities that it has it's so binary. I think you know the language at least it's so binary. There's there's like everything's gendered. It's so it's strange when I actually break it down and think about it. I'm like, why are you calling the coffee cup? A, girl but okay <laughs> um but I think now that we're moving towards a more inclusive world where you know for a while we, we want to say like for me I, I'm like I, I don't like labels I wish we could just live with a, in a world without labels but we live in a world where the more labels we have the more I guess we can educate and understand you know other identities other people's walks of life and I think being inclusive of non-binary uh you know folk is really important too you know so I think you know I I co-sign that I think that that's that's a great to be inclusive with language as well you know I identify as Latina and but when I refer to like a group of people I say Latines because you know I just want to be inclusive in, in everything that I do and I want to you know be aligned with that you know I think that's I think it's important you know it it, it took people you know, it took society forever to, to at least even accept queer stories. And that was just, you know, in sort of the, 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 the white European way. And then, you know, we had people like, um, you know, uh, Josephine Baker or um, even, you know, even Laverne, who started this, this conversation about intersectionality, POC, and even intersect, you know, intersectional feminism. In, in, in terms of I guess the, 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 the broader conversation that involves intersectionality, mm -hmm. uh, how has society done in the last five, 10 years, do you think? Oh, well, I think we are constantly moving forward, even though it, it may not seem that way, especially, like I said, the last four years, has, it seems like we made all these huge steps back, but I think that was really important to happen. I think that needed to happen. I think we needed to see what was rotting underneath it all, you know, because all this, you know, segregation still exists. You know, it's just, it, it's painted as something else, you know, it's painted as, you know, um, 
zoning zoning you know it's it's whatever things haven't really disappeared they just sort of have you know turned into different iterations of of racism basically and I think now we're sort of getting to the roots of that and 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 trying to detangle it all and it's it's not an easy task because there is it's still very new you know when I think back on the history of just you know America like I mean it wasn't that long ago and like women didn't have rights where places were still segregated and uh you know performers couldn't even perform at certain venues or or it was it was it's a trippy to think that like my parents my family has lived in the world that that was like that and so it does it does give me hope knowing how much things have changed since then and I think we're on the right path but there's still a lot of work to do you know uh, just to pick up on this idea of labels uh you're often referred to as a multi-hyphenate you know which back in the day might have been called triple threat or actor writer you know actor writer producer i've been trying to say you know performer or 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 entertainer just because it's it's all encompassing do is is that something you consciously think about you know how how you how you label yourself in terms of a performer and 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 how i guess you're you're labeled in or written about uh in 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 pieces uh well i like to say renaissance woman (laughs) um but I, I mean, I'm really proud that I get that people, you know, um, refer to me as someone who's not just one thing. You know, I think that's important for me to just be limited. You know, I, I for for a while, I didn't even think I'd get this far in music. You know, I, I definitely constantly pers- was in pursuit of my dream. You know, I, and I knew that I would even if I didn't make it, I would die trying. And so once I did you know, get to a place where I felt satisfied with my career, I was just like, oh my God, now what? Like, I didn't even think this far. And so I I, I never want to limit myself. And I think there are so many ways to be creative. And I think it's important, especially as an independent artist to like, to expand and be good at other things, not just one thing, you know, cause like, look now the music industry is sort of like basically <laughs> put to a pause. So it's, it's great to also have these other aspects of my life where I can express myself and, I think we all have a bit of that in us, you know, I don't think we all just like want to be one thing. I think as, especially as creatives, I think there's so many tools we can use to tell stories and to connect with people. You know, we, we have been referring to, to this as, as your first leading role, but I know you, you also appeared in one episode of a great show, uh, Mayans FC. Yes. Uh, which people love. What, what do you remember about working on that? That was so fun because I loved uh, the anarchy. And so to be a part of that and it was interesting too, because it was such a like hyper masculine show, you know, so to put me in there, I was like, okay, this is the stuff I want to be doing. I want to like, you know, stir things up a bit in this, in this way. And it was, it was terrifying actually, because I had filmed that right after uh, Haymaker and you know, with Haymaker, we got to rehearse, we got to connect with people, I got to like, you know, make friends and be comfortable on set there. They just sort of threw me in, you know, I didn't get to do a table read because I was not in, around at the time. So they're like, okay, just show up on set and, and we'll just shoot. And so the moment I actually met everyone was the what you see on camera where they just like roll up all on like motorcycles. It's like Latin gang. And I'm just like supposed to greet them as if I have known them forever. So that was definitely I learned a lot about acting then and 
it was so fun. I, I got to like be around, you know, seeing all that action on set and how, you know, everyone worked to like, they would just destroy the set during like a fight scene. And then like in two seconds, it'd be back to, to normal. It was just the magic of filmmaking. It was really fun. I mean, T TV is its own world and it's very, very different uh, than, than, than film. What did you learn, I guess, about TV specifically doing, doing Mayans, if anything? Um, I learned how, I don't know how fast paced it can be. And also not, you know, we can spend like hours shooting something that's like two minutes. And it's like, that was definitely, you know, you learn patience right away. Um, but then you also learn how to just like be fast paced, you know, everything's so quick, you know, once you get the shot, you're moving on to the next thing. You just like, you got to like keep up and it's, it's like, what do they say? It's like rush to wait. It's like this constant, like rushing to wait. Like hey, we need you on set right now. And then you sit there for like five, three hours <laughs> before you're even working. And um, I don't know it's interesting. And it's TV is really fun. Cause you really feel like you're storytelling. Cause you get to like go with the narrative, you know, and, and in order, I don't know a lot of times when things are filmed uh, for, you know, movies, they film in, not in, se in different sequences, you know, just to get certain shots. But with television, for the most part, it's you're, you're really immersed in the story. We, we, we've talked about your, your music a little bit um, and how you, you've released under your own name. Um, mm -hmm. But is, is there a future as well for, for Jessica Six? Yeah, I'm actually working on a new Jessica Six record now with uh, Andrew Raposo, who has been uh, a part of Jessica Six from the beginning. And uh, it's a little more acoustic too. It's more of like a real live band vibe, which I, I think that's the soul of Jessica Six. We started off as like wanting to record in a way where we're gonna perform these songs live and like rock out, you know? So it's it's been cool to do a new record that's more acoustic. We got musicians involved. It's um, a little more rock, a little more folk, a little more, I mean, it's all the things we love, but it, and it's another record that we want to make sure we can perform live when it comes out. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to for that coming out. I have my solo record that's going to come out soon too. It's more of a hip hop soul record. And, um, yeah, lots, a lot's coming. I know, I know. So is, is, is Jessica Six a, a band? Because I know it's, I know I've read that it's been both a band and sort of a, 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 a solo moniker. Yes. Well, it started off as a band and then we sort of disbanded. <laughs> we had a little band breakup and then I just, but I kept the name going. You know, I, I really loved the, having this sort of alter ego and I loved the, 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 the branding of it and the fan base that we had grown, you know, and uh, I wanted to keep it alive. So I did keep it alive on my own for a while. And I sort of got, I got dancers involved. And so it, it still was sort of a group feeling where there were other people always presented when it came to performing. Um, and, you know, it's great to now be back with Andrew, who was, like I said, he was part of the band from the beginning. So like, we're sort of having a bit of a reunion and getting back to the, the band mentality, the, ba the, the band vibes in the studio, which I, I love, you know, it's, it's fun making music on my own, but it's, I, what I really love is collaborating with musicians. And so this is, this is what I, I, I like to reserve Jessica Six for those collaborations. Yeah, I know you mentioned your your solo record is is a lot more you know hip hop soul and and hip hop is very 
poetic, which I think something is something that the New Yorican community is very, very strong at. You know, we, we talked mm-hmm. about the, 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 the Poets Cafe. Um, what is it about, do you think, that that culture that enables such strong, powerful storytelling? I think hip hop is, you know, it started off as, you know, rebel music. It's like, I think it was a bit of like a protest and a rebellion and a revolution, you know, I think for people of color, especially, you know, trying to have their voices heard and 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 go against the grain and, and just speak out politically about what's what goes on within our communities, you know, and um, I don't know, hip hop for me, has always been a real genuine reflection of what goes on in um you know, working class, the working class world and, and, and the streets and, you know, what uh, minorities have to say and the hardships and, and you know, somehow that's become glamorous, but <laughs> I think people like really glamorize that now. But I think the roots of hip hop is that it's rebel music, especially for people of color. Do you have any, you know, you, you shot in five different cities uh, for Haymaker. Mm-hmm. Any favorite moments from the shoot? Oh yeah, there's so many. I mean, I love that there's a scene in Mexico City where I performed in, oh my God, one of these a really iconic venue that actually got really destroyed during the earthquakes that happened there right after. Um, that was a beautiful moment, you know, Mexico, I have so many fans there. Whenever I go, I'm always so shocked to see how, like, how many people show up to the shows. And um, I mean, Greece also, I have have had such really amazing career moments in Greece. And so Greece is always really magical. There's just the energy that's there. That's like the drama and emotion. That's just, when, once you land there, you just feel it. It's in the, the, the drama. And so it was a perfect place to capture the really emotive scenes, you know, that, that, that scene is sort of when their relationship comes to a head and it just made sense with that that backdrop. And it's great to have like a little like nod to places that I have so many fans at. I feel like it's cool to make them feel like included in the film. Is as a performer, is there you know, is is making it in a you know in a big international city such as Mexico City or or Athens or even something like London, Paris, Barcelona, is it different as a performer than making it on your home turf? you know, New York City, LA? It is different. You know, I feel, I always say like when you, like I would go on these amazing tours and have like people like, you know, venues packed and calling my name and then I'd come back to New York and it just is like, it humbles you because they're like, who do you think you are? You know, you're you're the girl from the block, sit down. Um, So it's interesting, you know, it's tough. New York's a tough city to like break into. but I have had really beautiful moments here too. And it always, it just always feels really re- like rewarding as well when you're in your hometown and you can see your friends and your family in the audience and know that, you know, you came, especially for me, like we came from nothing and I was performing in like little random venues all over the city. And, you know, I, I never thought I'd get to where I am today. So when I do have moments in New York where, you know, the venue's packed and I see familiar faces, it's super, super magical and like emotional. Any any pinch me moments from being on tour uh, as a singer? Oh my God, so many. There, there was a moment in I forgot where we were. Was it maybe Mexico City? We were performing, and I remember 
there's a part of a song where I would just jump up and down to hype the crowd. And the entire crowd was jumping up and down with me where like our eye level was just remained the same. It was so, the energy was like, oh, I felt, I felt connected to all these people at one time. And it's a hard, it's a feeling I can't, I can't explain. You can't replicate. It's, it's super unique. You know, with sort of, I guess, live entertainment being grounded and a lot of artists turning to social media, you know, whether it's TikTok or, 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 or live streams uh, on Instagram, how is society going to, or are they, do you think, appreciating art more now than in the past? Um, well, I, it's interesting because I don't know what to expect, but I feel like there's going to be a more of an appreciation for live music in a way where it's not just like, you know, hyping a club or getting lost in like drinking and drugs and partying and this like nightlife aspect. I think maybe people will be more not take it for granted, like sitting down in a, in a venue and like listening to musicians play which I think may be the first iteration of live music will be more of like, you know, people sitting and watching a show and um, sort of looking forward to that a bit. You know, I think maybe jazz music will start to like, the people have a new appreciation for jazz and just uh, live performances and musicians in general. Like I'm really hoping there's sort of a renaissance period of like where that comes to life and people are, I, cause I know my, even though I do love the whole hyped club vibe, there's something so magical about, a space that's super you can hear a pin drop and you're performing a song and people are really like there with you too it's it's, it's almost the same vibe but a whole different aspect, like perspective you know given that we're we're coming up on, on a basically a year in 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 lockdown as someone who has a, a very strong very loyal fan base how do you how do you keep them interested? You know, how, how, how do you, how are you able to communicate with them during this time? Well, I do, I had a podcast, which I still do with my best friend. So we use that as a way to, to have conversations and still stay in touch when I'm not like, performing or, or doing other things as far as uh, music and, and film. And um, I'm always trying to write new essays too, just to, there's so much, many aspects to my experience that I feel like other people would identify with. You know, I love when I put out a piece of writing and, and it comes from a really like introverted space and then so many people see themselves in it. It's, it makes, it just makes me feel so like connected to the world in a way where even though we're so different, we all at the core go through the same, you know, emotions and, and experiences. And so I try to just, I try to continue to write and put out my work in that way. And Conversations are great. You know, I, I try to do some uh, IG lives and stuff like that. But for the most part, writing and, and conversations in my podcast has helped during this time specifically. Uh, and I know that that podcast is allegedly NYC. Oh, uh... We recently changed the name to Bodega Dolls. Oh, with okay. A Z. <laughs> Bodega Dolls, okay. With, with your we thought it was a little more us, you know, we're both like <laughs> New Yorkans. We're like, we got to let's represent a little more. <laughs> Uh, and that's with uh, Avis Hanjuro. Uh, yes. Now in its now in its second season, which I think I think for me feels weird talking about podcasts in season because mine's just you know one continuous thing like you know. D- yeah. T- t- twice a week. Um, 
but uh, and you know it sort of looks at I guess sex cult you know dating culture in in the Latinx community. Um, what what do you enjoy ab- about podcasting? I I just love having conversations with my best friend. You know, every time we're talking, we say, we say so much stuff. Like stuff comes out where we're like, oh my god, some people need to hear this. Like it's, this is not just like I feel like people would have deep opinions about this too, or like. I feel like we don't hear this perspective uh, a lot of times. So I don't know. It's cool. And I, I, a lot of people, when they hear it, they say they feel like they're sitting at a table with us and sort of like, just like a part of our crew in a way. And um, I think it's become a really important part of, of me too. in in the way that I like to have my voice heard, you know, and not like, I guess politically or, you know, just pop wise and, I think it's important, especially as, you know, native New Yorkers and Puerto Ricans, we do have such a unique perspective on the world. So I think it's cool to have our voices be heard. You know, I, I've, I've been to New York once and I, my goal was to eat my way around the city. Um, nice. And, 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 and Puerto Rican and I know Latin inspired food is, is very good. I've, I've been to South America uh, a couple of times with, with their food. So okay. if, if, if you, if someone, you know, was, was experiencing that culture for the first time, uh, what would be your go-to food to introduce them to? Oh my goodness. That's a good question. Well, you have to have like a good pollo guisado, like, you know, arroz con gandules with pollo guisado. It's like a, a chicken stew with rice and beans, classic Latin food. You got to go to like the Dominican spots. There's a place called Caridad, I think is like iconic sort of like Bronx place that you can just get like five or you get like a big ass plate of like rice and beans and chicken. You're like, that's the real, the real deal. Um there's so much. I mean, obviously pizza. Everyone's going to want to have their, their pizza. And there's always a debate about who has the best pizza. So that's a whole day in itself, just tasting all the pizza. <laughs> I would like, you have to have an artichoke slice. Um, and my new favorite is Fabio's, the place near me in Bushwick, which has a, I recommend those two places for a slight, a New York slice. Um, and there's so much, I mean, Japanese food, Thai food, you can go, you can do a whole, you know, world tour in Queens. If you want Greek food, it's never ending. I guess when people and audiences see Haymaker, which, which I think they should, I really enjoyed it. Is there, is there a message that you want to portray to them is is there something you want viewers to to take away i want people to feel seen you know i feel whether you're like a boy that is growing up in a really like you know tough machismo environment and you see yourself in nick and want to you know feel free to love who you love or and be vulnerable whenever you want i think that's important for boys to see if you're if it's you aspiring to just be yourself and shine and be a star and, and, and have that, you know, I hope you can see that that's possible. I hope people see that, you know, you, you can be your authentic self and be loved. Um, I think there's so many things to take from the film and I just hope people feel seen. And what is next for Nomi Ruiz? I know we've talked about music. We've talked about, about your writing. 
Um, what what do you think is is this thing we're going to see next? Well, like I said, I've been developing this TV series that I'm, I'm writing, and and um, it's my life story. It incorporates music. It's sort of like Eminem's Eight Mile, but it's my version, um, coming from Brooklyn and making it in the industry and, and traveling the world. And so, hopefully, that's going to come to life. And also, I'm writing a book, so hopefully, like I said, those two, I would love those two things to sort of tie in together and and people to have that experience of having both the book and watching the show simultaneously so hopefully that's and more music of course as when when the lockdown ends do you think we'll we'll see you in canada at all oh my god i hope so i've had so much fun in canada oh my god i miss going there um yeah for sure you will see me there i will see you in canada yeah no try you gotta you gotta do toronto you gotta do montreal and you gotta do vancouver i think those are yeah just to get to get and you know maybe even like halifax just to get all the all the, oh, I've never been there. All the culture. I've so. been to uh, Toronto. I've been to Calgary. Calgary. Um, and I think a few other places that I, f- I forget the names of. But I've had I've had some really beautiful moments in Canada too. So I'll be sure to hit hit you up. All right. Well, Canada looks forward to Nomi or Jessica Six or. Yes who who wh- wh- whichever iteration of you uh <laughs> ma- ma- makes an appearance uh when uh when this is all when 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 we make it through this and yes. you know wh- whenever that will be ho- hopefully by september i think at least for us they're talking about that's when all the vaccines will be um uh, distributed so yeah wishing wishing the best hoping fingers, staying faithful fingers crossed right well the new film is haymaker uh and it is being released on January yes. the 29th, uh, I, if I'm correct. So that yes. is uh, Friday. Next Friday. Ne- uh, next Friday. Uh, and where can people find that film? You can find it right now. You can pre-order it on Apple TV, and uh, it'll be also on video on demand as well. So wherever you wherever you watch your, your films these days, your Roku, click, click, click. Haymaker. <laughs> uh, and do you do you want to do you want to uh, plug your podcast and your music as well? Where where can we go to to listen? Yeah, uh, the podcast is Bodega Dolls with a Z at the end. The Z is silent. dot com. <laughs> and my uh, new single, which is from the movie Haymaker, is called Like a Ghost, and it's out now on all digital platforms. So stream it, download it, share it. Like a ghost, Bodega Dolls, Haymaker. <laughs> listen to one listen to all watch everything no me this is no me this has been so much fun thanks for taking the time today likewise thanks for the support and i wish you well be safe be safe already ciao for now bye Bye. (laughs) that was my conversation with nomi ruiz she co-stars in the new film haymaker which is out on january 29th also check out her new single from the movie Like a Ghost, in which she collaborates with Sam Sparrow. Also, her podcast, Bodega Dolls, that's Dolls with a Z, is available on SoundCloud, as well as wherever podcasts are available. The hub for it all is nomiruiz.com. That's N-O-M-I-R-U-I-Z dot
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Ciao. For now. Artists like to have a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs>